Welcome to another episode of the Level Up Your Gym podcast. My name is Joe Hashi, your host, and today it is my honor to be joined by Jeremy Stripler, who spent some time with me in college and tolerated me and survived and became a very successful adult. And Jeremy and I have stayed in touch on and off throughout the years as he's become a real estate professional and just touching base he's into fitness as well and i thought he'd be the perfect person to have on he actually offered to do it which i really appreciate to come on and share some tips for gym owners who are trying to get that first spot jeremy welcome to the show hey thanks so much good to uh see you virtually <laughs> tell, tell us a little bit about your background in real estate sure so after you and i graduated together uh i went into commercial real estate and worked in retail specifically worked for a company that owned shopping malls and strip centers and uh, urban retail in New York City. Uh, I then went, got my MBA. And then for the last 10 years, since finishing my MBA, I've been working uh, for a service provider, uh, a company called Cushman Wakefield that provides uh, tenant rep, landlord rep, facilities management project manager, anything related to commercial real estate that you can imagine. So my job is to represent occupiers, uh, helping people lease or buy space. And I've worked in both retail, office, and then special purpose properties, like everything from churches to schools. So a real <laughs> smorgasbord of uh, commercial spaces. You smart son of a gun. I didn't know you got your MBA. <laughs> Where'd you go for that? I went through St. John's University of New York, um, and that was a great, great program. And uh, I knew I went during the recession of 2008 to 2010, and uh, I didn't know that was my timing. It ended up being great timing uh, in retrospect, uh, but I really wanted to get back into commercial real estate when I finished. I more so went into my MBA because I was an English major, undergrad, and thought it'd be good to learn how to do math and uh, have that round out my skill set that way by taking more finance classes as well as marketing classes. And so before we get into your three tips, since you've had so much experience in the field, what's one of the coolest properties you got to work on? Oh, wow. So I really enjoyed working with uh, a charter school in Minnesota called Metro Def. And uh, so they serve... Uh, kids who are uh, deaf or hard of hearing, as well as some that are blind. And so we helped them sell their existing school and buy a new property, which was larger because their program was growing. And uh, as part of that process of buying the new building, we also helped uh, work, we had project management. So we took them through finding an architect, finding a contractor. And so along the way, got to learn about all the um, design issues that you have to address when you're with uh, that community where we might take for granted, um, especially the fact that they also, you know, if you ring a buzzer, right, to, or a siren because there's a fire, that doesn't work. And so thinking about how can you use lights and, and other tactile things, even along the walls, they have almost like chair rails. So someone can feel the difference between, um, you know, hallways and so when you go into a classroom. So that was a really fun project to see from start to finish and then even be able to attend the grand opening and 
and see how much the kids were enjoying the new facility, which was much more than their previous one designed to their needs. Sounds like an amazing learning experience. And we're excited to get to your tips and suggestions today because I was pre-recording an episode just this week where one of our Inner Circle members got to ask me questions. And their last question was on finding their first spot coming out of the garage that they were working in and trying to uh, work through the struggles of leasing. And most gym owners don't have much of a background in this. So Jeremy, you have three tips prepared. What's the first one? I do. Yeah. So thanks. So the first kind of builds upon something you've talked about in the past on your podcast about knowing your client. Um, You describe it as a way of writing out a description of what does that client look like. And so in terms of taking that to the next step, if you don't already have a facility is where is that client or customer, where are they living, where are they working? Uh, Because it would be ill-advised, right? To put your gym across town if everyone that you're targeting, right? Lives 10 miles away. Obviously, you want to be somewhat of a convenience for them. People are hopefully seeking you out, but at the same time, you're likely not going to be the only gym in town. And so obviously, besides all the other great benefits that you offer, how do you, you know, a differentiator is just going to be location. And so thinking about where are those customers, right? If you're targeting, if you're targeting uh, more of like a youth program, where are you relative to the schools? Uh, if you're more for seniors, you know, where are you next to where they're living? They're likely going to want to have a shorter commute. Uh, so just really thinking about who that client is. And uh, when you think about national and regional brands, whether it be fitness chains or everyone from like a CVS to Target, you know, they have very sophisticated programs where they're looking at demographics. Uh, and psychographics, which for those unfamiliar psychographics is really about personality. So it's kind of, it's not only what the population looks like, but then what do they think? And so, you know, they're using that to identify target markets. And so without sophisticated software, even if you don't have access, I think there's enough indicators in a market that you live in to kind of use those to base off of identifying where your client might be. I think that's a perfect one to start with because I've seen so many people go off track with this, whereas fitness studio owners, we think our programs are going to attract people from really far away. And that's what just, you know, kind of just hopeful thinking because the reality is and the studies show you're looking at about three to five miles, depending on population density in a city, it's going to be a lot tighter, maybe even under three miles. You're going to attract most of your members. And if you're in a more rural population, maybe it's five, maybe it's six miles. But if you think facility first and you go for a bigger space because we're all a little bit cheap, that's on the wrong side of town, you're gonna have a tough time attracting people. I would rather have a less than ideal building in the ideal spot than the other way around. So I love that you started with that one. Yeah, and I think one thing to build on that is knowing where they are. So then it's, okay, hopefully you have a few options. And so kind of even taking that a little bit further. So it's not just that you, are you in the right part of town, but then are you in the right uh, building? And if you think about uh, and try to take notice, right, who's next to a grocery store? It's usually other service uh, convenience types, services and retailers, right? 
the gas station's probably near the grocery store. The pharmacy's probably near the grocery store. Whereas if I go out to like more uh, a home goods store, you know, it's other shops that are uh, simpatico, but also that you're less frequently going to. So thinking about if you have that kind of choice, who your, who your neighbors are, like, will your neighbors benefit you? Is someone going to uh, think about you if they see that you're next door to whatever other retail store, coffee shop, grocery, whatever that they're going to on a, hopefully a frequent basis, does it make sense for them to then go next door to your gym and vice versa? Like, and so if you think about where Planet Fitness are and Gold's Gym, often then you find like the vitamin shop or GNC will be right next door, right? Because they get it. They're like, well, that's my customer is the person going to the gym. And so kind of trying to reverse engineer that a little bit for yourself. That's a great tip to just have people that are listening, drive around town and just take notice of what businesses are around other businesses and primarily the chains that have the money and the investment to do the research and land in the ideal spots for them. And then you can scale back to what's practical for you, but that would be some good homework to drive around and see who, what's paired up in your area. Yeah. And I, I do agree with you too, about that point of willingness to travel, uh, especially if they're first time and first time clients, customers, right. And also if they're newer to training group fitness, I think people are more likely to go farther once they're kind of well into the system. You know, someone who tires, I've gone to CrossFit gyms for the last 10 years. And so if you kind of, for whatever reason, get tired of that coach staff or something changes and you don't like it, you might be willing now to travel farther because you know what you're looking for. Whereas there is just going to be that level of convenience, especially for a first timer that they're going to focus in on more than uh, traveling across town because it's the right trainer, or the right lifting program. They're likely not going to know that level of detail yet. They just need to get their feet wet. For sure. And that has a lot to do with the times you even offer sessions. So if you're in an area where people are coming close by to you, they're kind of the newer clientele, like Jeremy's talking about, you can have earlier classes uh, we have a member in the group that has a spot right by where the train lets out coming out of New York City into New Jersey. What's most important for them is that they need to recognize that and have a shower available, which you can't right now. And it's crippling them because they have a great location, but it's not convenient because people can't shower post or pre-work and they have to carry everything with them. So with lockers and showers closed, it screwed up their location. So there's a lot of things to take into account, but what you can do to set yourself up for success is be around your target market. There's really no easier way to do it than that. Definitely. What's number two? Yeah. So number two, once you start looking at these options, I think people get wide eyed and they think of, you know, the perfect world of what that gym's going to look like. And if you step back for a sec and you try to relate it to more your own personal life as a, you know, if someone's buying a house, right? You're likely not going to buy, nor would the bank even give you the money to buy the house that you can't afford. Uh, and so kind of tip number two is using a residential term is, is, you know, consider the starter home. And I know that can be frustrating for gym owners that like they can't 
it seems like such a short time horizon. And so they, they kind of get nervous. Oh, I got to move again. And how's it going to affect my business? But moving is a good problem to have. That means something's going right that you've outgrown your space. What's going to be a big issue is taking on too large of a facility that you can't afford because it just, as you're building up membership, and this is probably, again, more skewed towards that first time gym owner, you know, buy something that meets more your conservative projections on how many members you're going to get. And let's all hope you have the great problem of needing to move and get more space um, rather than paying for unused square footage, because that's the thing about uh, commercial real estate, right? They're charging you by the square foot. And uh, yeah, you might have a lot more storage room than you need, but right, why are you paying for that extra space? And so being mindful of that, uh, especially because in addition to rent, you're also paying the utilities based on that square footage and uh, your share of taxes and building insurance. There's a lot of cost and not to scare people, but it's just um, trying to be mindful of working within your budget uh, and really letting that drive success and hopefully, you know, filling up that membership quickly so you, you can move, but also having resources for other things, equipment, marketing, other elements of your business plan that you need rather than now I've just spent a whole kit and caboodle on a great huge facility, but I can't even afford now to paint it or X, Y, Z. Yeah. If you're dealing with a uh, retail space and all the cams and everything that go along with like we have one spot in a retail plaza and uh, the extra fees, our portion of taxes, uh, the, the community access maintenance, whatever it stands for, are yeah. uh, over double over double our rent. So it's significantly more. And you, you can shop around and figure this stuff out as you work through the process. But there is an in-between step that a lot of gym owners use is to, because they're not 100% confident in their marketing. And that's fine. Either was I. They're not 100% solid in their business plans at the beginning, unless they're starting a franchise. That's why you'll see those more pop up because they already have the business plan and the marketing in a retail plaza. But a lot, what a lot of people do while they get their feet under them and build a little bit of a membership is look to sublease from someone that already exists and has space. Now they have to be able to do it in their lease. Our, our first facility, we subleased from a baseball development facility. They had a back room that was 2000 square feet. They weren't using uh, I read in the newspaper that there was a trainer back there that expanded and moved somewhere else. So I called the owner and we subleased that for, for a fraction and we weren't on a lease and we weren't locked in and we got to make a lot of mistakes. It afforded us the ability to make a lot of mistakes early on while we built our company that I wouldn't have been able to make if I had a higher overhead. So there's, you know, I know some trainers who rent spaces from gyms and churches and do certain classes on the weekend it's all a build up to what your vision is and what you can afford, but make sure you have some runway and don't paint yourself in the corner, assuming it's going to be that ideal situation that Jeremy was just talking about. Absolutely. And uh, a good example I have of this and they're friends and I attended their gym, but in Minneapolis was a boxing club that as they're looking for space, rather than just sit on the couch and wait until they could find this perfect spot, you know, they found a local lifting gym that had floor space and, you know, they would go in there at 7am on Saturday mornings when a lot of the lifters hadn't woken up yet and, you know, have an hour long class, but it was, a, it was allowing them to start to build goodwill with potential members by giving them even just a weekly session to come to. And then 
you know, after six months, they were able to find a one-year home. And again, that willingness to say, this doesn't need to be the forever home. Like we can, we can build this as we go. And so, you know, they found a basement space in a building that had showers, which was great, right? For that, that was a cost they didn't have to take on. So they just had to bring in flooring and their equipment. And then another year later, we found them a sublease space uh, through a CrossFit gym that already had all the flooring, had bathrooms in the building. So again, they just had to bring in their equipment. You know, maybe someone else would say, ah, forget it, I'll just pass until I can get exactly what I want. But instead, they said, you know, let's just keep growing and we'll get to that. When we get there, we'll get there. But, you know, they didn't have the membership to justify buying their own building or, or renting a much larger facility. So kind of incremental steps as, uh, as you grow the business. I think it's, it's a conservative approach, but hopefully if people are, who are listening to this are looking for this to be a career and not a short-term kind of hobby, um, which I imagine anyone who's listening, it, that is their vision, you know, then be patient with it. Two additions, because I agree 100% with what, what Jeremy's saying. The first addition is that you should never be thrilled by looking at just what a gym makes. You should be thrilled by what they get to keep. And real estate is a huge portion of that. So I can say we're a seven figure gym because we are, but if our expenses, if you know, I, I have worked with gyms that do like 1.3 million out of one space and their expenses are 1.2 and a half. Like that's not an ideal situation. I'd rather have a garage gym and our, our revenue be 300,000 and our expenses be 100,000. So keep that in mind. Don't get always uh, obsessed with chasing the shiny object, especially up front. There's a lot more that goes into it and it gives you the leeway to gain the experience to then be able to slide into a bigger space. And the second point they just mentioned is it's not your forever home. You always want to do when you're purchasing your equipment, make sure it's mobile. All of our equipment, including our flooring is stuff that we can, even in the building that we own, yeah. it's all flooring that we can yeah, that's a great uh, pick up and move. So, you know, we're putting $4,000 into rubber flooring and a, you know, a little bit more than that in a roughly 4,000 square foot building. Uh, you don't want to glue it down. You don't want to glue it down if you have to, and you don't want, you want to be able to pick up and move your stuff. Yeah. You bolt it to the ground. Everything that I put in, you know, the 30 K or whatever the equipment you get to leave with, that's not always the case for every industry, but you have the option to do that. So just keep that in mind as you're trying to do the build out and you're thinking about adding fancy features, you know, lean towards at the beginning stuff that you can take with you as you expand. So you're not leaving a lot of money behind. Absolutely. Number three, what do you have? Yeah. So this will sound like a total shameless plug, but Oh yeah. You know, I, <laughs> I, I really do recommend people consider working with an expert, you know, and, and specifically um, a commercial realtor compared to a residential and nothing against all those who do residential, but that's their focus is helping it's okay. people. They're not listening to this podcast. Good, good. Do, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I mean, they're buying and selling houses, right? Yeah. Their, their world is not commercial spaces. And so um, I think just be my, you know, from just being practical, it's like, you know, why am I trying to have my friend who sells houses, like think that that's going to be analogous to helping lease a commercial space, especially if you're dealing with 
uh, a sophisticated landlord. And, and similar to why people hopefully are coming to uh, your gym, right? You're the expert, you're the trainer, you're giving them value that they can't find on their own by just looking up things on YouTube or Googling, how do I rent a commercial space? Uh, and so, right, same thing here in resident, in renting your gym, why not engage an expert? And I think where there might be some misnomer is that uh, it's going to cost you. But the fact is, in most markets, uh, the landlord pays the fee to the commercial agent, not the tenant, um, because it, right, it's, it's an enticement for agents to bring tenants to them. Uh, and so just traditionally, it doesn't cost you anything. And the, I guess, intangible benefits are that frees you up to focus on actually running your business, uh, but also um, brings in that sophistication, especially when it comes to negotiating the lease, uh, that I think you'll be well served. Certainly a lawyer will help when reading the lease, but even before you get to uh, the lease document itself, like what are the business terms? And people all too often think, well, it's just a rent. What's the rent? And, and that's it. That's, that's the terms of the lease. And it's like, no, there's, you know, there's so many other elements that are business, even if they don't even have a number or a dollar related to them in terms of flexibility. Do you have a right to renew when the lease expires? Do you have the right to terminate? Do you have the right to expand or contract? Um, and then also how are operating costs, especially when you get to like a, a multi-tenant retail center, those CAM costs, well, how are they decided each year? And do you have the chance to audit them and, and make sure that the landlord's not overcharging you? So there's all these details um, that I think quickly will overwhelm. And I would hate to be in the position where I get to the lease and now I'm kind of locked in and uh, to something that I didn't fully understand that, and maybe hypothetical never even happens. And, and that's great. It's never an issue, but I'd rather be protected um, for those what ifs. And so a, yeah, thinking about using an expert, I think will go a long way in terms of uh, being successful in, in not only finding that space, but what that lease looks like. So it benefits you and not just the landlord. Here's the big summary on that. It's not going to cost you anything and they'll know a lot more than you. <laughs> that is so important. Thank you. Thank you. That is, and I don't, I don't think everyone gets that because they assume it'll cost them something and landlords almost assume that you're going to come in with an agent. So they already have that in their, in their estimated price, their starting point. Now, if you come in by yourself, maybe you can negotiate some things, but you're not going to know enough the first time. You're not going to have the right connections to find all the spots. Uh, there's a lot of benefits that go with working with someone, including it doesn't cost you anything in every market that I've seen. It hasn't cost you us anything. And I can give you two examples of where it really benefited us. One of our leases, we've got a three-year lease. And they're like, well, why don't you get an option to renew? Like Jeremy just mentioned. So we got a three-year lease with three three-year options at 3% increase on each. So we can stay up to 12 years. And I already know all the terms. And I don't have to renegotiate every three years. I know exactly what could happen at the end of three years, which is my 3% increase. And I can choose to stay. So it's already pre-negotiated for over a decade for us. 
at that facility and it was so important to do. And the facility we purchased, the real estate agent did a great job with letting us know all the local ordinances, um, what economic opportunities were available where in that area, I didn't even know about it. The local uh, chamber IDA had for new building purchases, um, uh, a no sales tax for six months agreement. So he was able to explain that and which no sales tax on the flooring and all the build out. We put probably a quarter million dollars into that building, essentially sales tax free because the real estate agent knew about the local ordinances were able to tell us how to get the application. And we pushed it through and it saved us through all, all the contractors, everything about $30,000 that we wouldn't have saved based on my own knowledge. So highly recommend using a wonderful free resource. Agree. And, you know, one of the even things that people m might not realize is, especially if you're getting raw space and not a second generation gym space, mm -hmm. um, there is in the lease uh, a lot of value that, right, the expert and an attorney, right, can help in negotiating, well, what is the landlord's responsibility in terms of building out that space? And then where does it flip over to you as the tenant? And making sure, like, if you want to have a bathroom or a shower, well, who's going to take on the cost if there's no plumbing and roughing that in? Well, in a well-negotiated lease, hopefully the landlord's taking on that cost and eliminating a lot of your upfront um, out-of-pocket expense just to get your gym ready, you know? And so there's all these little details that, um, and it's not to scare people, again, it's, it's just to be thoughtful about it. And so why not bring in that person to help go through those details? Don't worry, I'll step in and scare them. Okay. <laughs> Especially with using a professional. This is something we hadn't mentioned yet is local and town ordinances. I have seen people rent buildings, gym owners rent buildings, assuming that they could run a gym there. And then it turns out that they are not allowed to park their commercial um, folks on the residential streets. So they were limited to three parking spots and they were anticipating groups of 20. So they had to buy their way out of the lease and it cost them about $20,000 between all the, and, and all the lost time, which is going to be irreplaceable when it comes to growing their business because they didn't know their local town ordinances. They went for the cheapest place. They didn't understand how parking, parking works. They just assume park wherever. There are a lot of rules and things that we don't know about. And I would highly recommend getting the professional and make sure you at least check those boxes before you rent a place that you can't use. And that happens with gyms. Definitely. All right. So I really appreciate your time today. I know you're from Cushman Wakefield. There's probably not many, it's probably not many people from Austin. I think there might actually be one on the call. Uh, is there any way that they can find out more about your company? Because I know it exists here and I know it exists all around the nation. Is there a website that people can visit? Yeah, to just go to CushmanWakefield.com. And actually um, there's some great resources uh, about safety measures, especially in this COVID environment about how to, that I think are often geared towards office users, but I think would apply some checklists that just great resources that the company has put out, but you can also then find where Cushman has locations. And I would encourage people to shop around. I mean, you have to be comfortable with who you're working with. Certainly be great if someone works with Cushman and if you're in the Austin, Texas area, I'd be happy to be a resource, but um, similar with if you're going to buy a house, you know, you want to be comfortable who that agent is that you're working with, you know, shop around. No one's going to be offended. Um, but so do your homework though, too, by going through 
the website and, and kind of trying to learn about how they differentiate themselves, similar to what you would expect your clients and customers to have done to why they picked you. Jeremy, thank you so much for your time and expertise today. I think everyone's got a good perspective on how to get started if they're looking to find their first place or expand in some serious food for thought and even a little homework to drive around and start being aware of what's going on in your area. Like if you see an auto zone, there's probably another car dealership right next to it. They start popping up. If you see a Burger King, it's probably, or McDonald's, it's probably Burger King close by. Like they group themselves together for certain reasons. So I really thank you for your time today. And I want to thank all the listeners of the Level Up Your Gym podcast. You can get on our daily video series completely free at levelupyourgym.com where I'll send you daily tips three to five minutes to your inbox every morning.